I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. I need Him, He's
your Bibles open to Ephesians, please. Somebody's already said to me this morning that Pastor Larry let you out quite early last Sunday. <clears throat> so I hope you didn't get your hopes up uh, for today, but now we'll get you out on time, uh, God willing. Maybe, maybe early, we'll see. But Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, as we are continuing this series, this is just the third message in this series we're calling Identity. Finding and living out who you truly are. Warren Wearsby years ago wrote about the late newspaper publisher William Randolph Hearst. And Hearst was a, a big-time collector of art. In fact, he invested a fortune in collecting art treasures from around the world. And one day, as he's looking at his collection and thinking about what to add to his collection, uh, he came across some treasures that he just had to have uh, he had to own these things and add them to his collection. So he sent his agent abroad to find these things for him. And it took months of searching. And after months of searching, the agent finally found the treasures that William Randolph Hearst was looking for. You know where he found them? They were in William Randolph Hearst's own warehouse. Uh, he already owned these treasures that he sent his agent out to find. They already were in his possession and you know, as believers, we're sometimes a lot like William Randolph Hearst. We have treasure in our possession that we know nothing about. And we're finding that out as we study the book of Ephesians together. As we look at these first three chapters, we're finding out, seeking to find out who we are and what we have in Christ Jesus. And we're never going to understand these things unless we have the Lord's help. And so I want to submit to you today that prayer plays a vital role in not only understanding and grasping these great things we have in Christ, but also appreciating them and putting them into practice in our own lives. Now, we've already studied the first 14 verses of chapter 1. In fact, we spent two Sundays looking at them. An awesome passage of Scripture about what we have in Christ Jesus and who we are in Christ Jesus. And today we're going to pick up at verse 15. Verse 15. Um, Paul wanted these believers to really understand... Jesus Christ and what they had in Christ. And, and God wants us to understand these things, to really appreciate, to really grasp, to put into practice these great things we have in Christ. And as I'm, I'm looking at Paul's prayer life, and we're going to read it in just a moment, but as I looked at Paul's prayer for these believers, and I thought about my own prayer life and the prayer life of other believers, and think about the type of prayers that we pray, I've got to be honest, the things that Paul prays about and the things that Paul prays for and the things that we pray for are often quite different. And in fact, you'll see as we read it in a moment, but before you do think about this question in your own life, don't answer out loud, but what characterizes most of your prayer time? And by the way, don't get all you know, upset today about your prayer because a lot of times when somebody asks you about your prayer life, people start saying, well, I need to pray more and I don't pray well enough and I haven't prayed in a while. None of that today. I just want to ask you, when you do pray, what characterizes most of your prayer time? Because I want to encourage you in your prayer life today. I want to help you in your prayer life. We all need help in these matters. But think about your prayer life. When you're praying, what takes up most of it? Is it mostly earthly, physical things? Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with praying for earthly, physical things. In fact, Jesus says to cast all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And we live upon the earth, and we are physical, and we have these things that we deal with. And we, we can and we should pray about physical things and earthly things. But percentage-wise, how much of your prayer life is all about the earthly, temporal things versus the spiritual, eternal things? 
I dare say if most Christians were honest, the, the great majority of their prayer time is spent praying about earthly things and temporal things. Why? We pray for health needs, financial needs, family needs, um, situations at our job, tough times at school. And again, we ought to pray about those things. Every one of them, we ought to pray about them. But as you read with me today Paul's prayer and see what kind of request that he makes, I hope that it will help you and help me to start praying more like Paul prayed. That's really my desire today. And here's what I want to do. I want to go through this passage with you twice, just in, in looking at it, just in reading it. I'm going to read it first in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it through, from the NLT. I want you to hear it twice. Maybe follow along the first time in your Bible. Then the second time, I just want to encourage you to listen. So I really want you to hear his prayer. And as we're reading his prayer, think about your prayer life. As you see what he asked for, think about what you asked for. And I'm going to try to help us today in growing in our prayer life. So first of all, Ephesians 1, 15-23, this time from the New King James Version. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So now we get to the prayer. Are you ready? Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power." Which, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now this time... I'm going to read it from a more modern translation. I want you to listen this time, all right? Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Wow. I'll be honest with you. I, I look at this passage of Scripture and just like with the first 14 verses, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. 
It's so rich. It's so full. It's so awesome, the things that are described here. Now, do you agree? Let me just ask you this question. This means yes. This means no. This means I didn't get enough sleep last night. Do you agree with me that Paul's prayer sounds a lot different than our prayers often do? This means yes. This means no. Yeah. A lot different than when we often pray. By the way, how do we learn to pray? Just just an aside, we learn to pray by praying, really. A lot of us, we learn to pray by listening to somebody else pray. So if you were brought up in church or you're in Sunday school or maybe at home, uh, you have a family member who led in prayer, you'll find that the children will often say the same things the parents say or the grandparents say. In fact, I remember growing up in church and I remember, depending on who it might be, you know, some people offer the same prayer every time they pray. And you kind of know. And Warren Wiersbe said years ago that for some people to pray is kind of like putting a needle on a record. It just plays the same thing over and over again. But I want to challenge us in our prayer life today. And I want to challenge you regardless of where you are in life and what stage of life. Maybe you're a really young Christian. You're a child and you're praying. I want to challenge you to, to look at how Paul prayed and to pray more like Paul. We've got a lot of teenagers here today. I want to encourage you in your prayer life to watch how Paul prays and begin praying like Paul prayed. For the adults, or maybe you're a senior adult, because I've been praying longer than you've been alive, Rodney. Well, I'm glad. I really am. But we can always grow in our prayer life. And I want to challenge you. And what I want to do today, and we could outline this in various ways and, and still be true to the text, but I want to show you four parts to Paul's prayer here. Four parts to Paul's prayer. And I want to encourage you to add these four parts to your prayer life. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you an assignment at the end of the day. And so if you leave early, you won't get that. So I hope you'll stay. But I want to show you four parts to Paul's prayer. I want you to notice, first of all, that Paul begins with thanksgiving. He begins with thanksgiving. Look back at verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. In fact, his thanksgiving for these believers was not just a one-time deal. He says, I don't even cease to give thanks. In other words, I give thanks over and over and over and over again. Now, why was he so thankful? If you back up to verse 15, he tells us why he's thankful. Verse 15 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. He was thankful for their faith in Christ and he was thankful for the love they had for all the saints. They had been changed. And it showed in their lives. And by the way, if you've come to faith in Christ, you've been changed. The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And of course, there's different levels and stages and timing of growth and some things we still struggle with and some things we have victory in. But if you're in Christ, you've been made new. And one of the ways we know someone has trusted Christ and belongs to Christ is because they love other believers. Uh, John 13.35, By this all we know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so the love that we have today for one another is a, a fruit of being in Christ. We love because He first loved us. And one of the ways that we know that we are saved is because we love the saints. And I'll be honest, I, I understand. Some people are easier to love than others, aren't they? Don't look around. Some people are easier to love than others. We're commanded to love. Love is more than just an emotion. Love is a choice that we can make in the power of the Holy Spirit to put others better and, and before ourselves. And so listen, he says, I, I thank God because you have faith in the Lord Jesus. I thank God because you have love for the saints. They've been changed. And notice again here that even Paul's thanksgiving is centered upon that which is spiritual. Now, oftentimes when we offer thanksgiving, we're going to do that next month especially as we think about thanksgiving time. 
lot of times our thanksgiving centers upon the earthly, right? Thank you, God, for my house. Thank you for the food. Thank you for my clothing. And by the way, we ought to thank God for all of that. We ought to. And I don't think we thank God enough for that. But what I'm saying today is we often stop. We, we fail. We fall short in this. We don't keep on thanking Him for that which is spiritual. Far greater than your home here is your home in heaven. Far greater than your clothing here is the fact that you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, we ought to thank God for that which is earthly and, and physical, but not stop there and begin thinking about all the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. And Paul here, he does that. He's thankful for their faith in Christ and thankful for their love for the saints of Christ. And so that's his first part. He, he starts with thanksgiving. And then we move to the second part, and this is a request. This is where all of us live in our prayer life. It's all about requesting things. And we ought to request things, and we should. And, and God says, ask, seek, knock. And, and we understand this. But we have thanksgiving. And then I want you to notice the second part of his prayer. And it's a request. And it's a request that they would know God better. A request that they would know God better. You still there in Ephesians 1? Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, now watch this, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Now I want you to understand this. They already knew God. They were already saved. If you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, you know God is Lord and Savior. By the way, if you haven't done that, I pray today you will. But they knew God. And yet Paul praying for them says, listen, I'm praying that you would know God. What's he talking about? Talking about knowing God in a greater way, growing in their faith. He asked for a spirit of counsel and I mean, he asked for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Uh, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's, who come, that's, where, that's where that comes from. The spirit of wisdom revelation comes from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Isaiah 11:2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. William MacDonald wisely said that revelation deals with the imparting of knowledge, giving out knowledge. That's revelation, giving out knowledge. But wisdom has to do with the proper use of that knowledge. Not just receiving the knowledge and saying, oh, I understand it. Not just mentally understanding it, but putting it into practice in our lives. And don't miss this. His prayer was what? Not just for a spirit of wisdom, not just for a spirit of revelation, but the, the key there says, in, in, in the knowledge of Him. That is that they would know God better. I think a lot of people, they come to their Bibles and, and they want to know their Bibles. And, and that's good, by the way. I would never discourage you from getting in your Bible we all need to get in our Bible more probably if we're honest about it. But a lot of people come and they just want to know the Bible. I just want to know the Bible. So maybe they learned the books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I learned the books of the Bible in the New Testament by singing them. And, and the problem is when you learn them by singing, you have to sing them in your head. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anyway, now that's, a, that's a different thing. But we, we, we know the books of the Bible. and Then we start learning the, the different books and we start thinking about what they're about. And Genesis is, I know that some of the, the kids were in this morning in Sunday school. They were looking at a bride for Isaac as I came in their class. And they were in Genesis and looking at the book of beginnings. And then they go to Exodus. The children of Israel go out. And they walk through. They get to Leviticus. And they're like, oh. And then and they keep going. 
and, and they start learning the books. And they get to the New Testament. And they get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They, they try to get the facts down. And maybe they memorize the 12 disciples. And they memorize the Ten Commandments over in Exodus. And they memorize different verses. And i got to know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. <clears throat> but here's what I'm getting at. We don't come to the Bible just to know the Bible. We come to the Bible to know God. This is His revelation of Himself. This is Him revealing Himself. And, and, and Paul here says to the Ephesians, I'm praying that you would know God. You'd have a spirit of revelation. The wisdom is imparted. But I'm praying you'd have wisdom in order to put it in practice in your life to know God better. It's not enough just to know the Bible. You can know the Bible and never know God. I mean, you can know facts and figures. You can memorize full passages. But we come to the Bible to know God. And Paul says, listen, I'm praying that you would have a spirit of, of, of revelation and wisdom that you might know God. We can know God as Savior and not really know Him as we all. So what do you mean? We're constantly growing in our knowledge of God, just like we do in our human relationships. I hope that you know your spouse and your children, but you continue to get to know them, right, as you spend time with them. We never reach a point where we say, well, I, I know God well enough. Never get there. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like this for your husband or your wife? When's the last time you prayed a prayer like this for your kids? When's the last time you prayed a prayer like this for anybody? Now, I know the kind of prayers we often pray, and we ought to pray them, and I pray them too. God bless them, give them wisdom, protect them. Yes, that's wonderful. But when's the last time we stopped and we prayed like Paul prays here, and we focused upon the Spirit and said, God, would you please help my child to know God better, to know you? Give them a spirit of revelation and wisdom to understand who you are, to know you, to love you. See how Paul's prayer is a lot different than our prayer? We shortchange ourselves. We're satisfied so easily. I mean, yes, we want them protected and fed and all that, but how much greater that they would know God? They would know God. I agree with um, D.A. Carson. D.R. Carson, what is the greatest need in the church today? He said the one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. I agree 100%. You say, what does Red Hill Baptist Church need? I mean, here we are in 2021 in some of the weirdest times of our entire lives wondering if things ever going to get normal. Are they going to continue down this path? What do we need as a church family? We need to know God better. Love God better. We do. And so he begins, first part, thanking God. Second part, he gets to a request. God, would you help them to know God better? Then there's a third part. It's another request. And this request is simply this. A request that their eyes of understanding would be opened. There's three parts to this request. Now, I'm not just talking about physical eyes. These are the eyes of understanding. Your mental eyes. Your eyes have... The, the, your mind has eyes, if I can say it that way. My, my mama used to tell me in church she had eyes at the back of her head. She, I, I think she did, if I sat behind her and misbehaved. But, th but these are the eyes of your mind, if you will, so you can understand things, all right? 
And he prays that the eyes of their understanding be opened. And, and he, he, he emphasizes three different areas. They've been called the three what's prayer. The three what's prayer. W-H-A-T. The three what's prayer. Did you notice them there? Look at verses 18 and 19. And we're looking for the word what. Alright? Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened. So the light's coming in. Now here, here it gets specific. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? Basically, He's praying that their eyes will be opened to these three things to understand the hope of His calling, the inheritance in the saints, and God's mighty power. Let's just walk through those three real quickly. Alright? Real quickly. First of all, the hope of His calling. Remember, we talk about biblical hope. We're talking about something that's certain. It's not a hope so, it's a no so. And so this week I, I, had, I was hoping it wouldn't rain today because we're taking the youth to all shucks. That's that type of hope we're talking about. So I'd look at that weather app and by the way, we got enough rain, didn't we? Praise the Lord. But I was hoping it wouldn't rain. That's, that's a wishful thing. I hope it doesn't rain. That's not the hope he's talking about here. A biblical hope is a sure thing. It's a certainty. And it's the hope of His calling. That is, we have a future we're looking forward to. We, we have a God that's working in our lives. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, Philippians 1.6 says that He's going to finish the work He started in you. And I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes struggle with that. And I look at myself and my growth and where I'm at, and I'm like, Lord, help me! And I'm reminded of Philippians 1.6. He's going to finish the work. He's making you like Jesus. There's a certainty. There's a hope of His calling. We have a glorious inheritance. We have, we have heaven awaiting us. What a glad day that's going to be. And He wants them to understand their hope. That their eyes will be open and they can really grasp and understand, whoa, what an awesome hope we have. And by the way, we need hope today. Because we have a lot of people around us without hope. We live in a world without hope. And the hope is Jesus would be sharing Him. But then secondly, there's the inheritance in the saints. Now this is interesting. Because you notice the wording there says in His inheritance in the saints. And some people think well, what He's talking about there is the inheritance that we have in Christ. And we do have an inheritance. But that's not the way it's worded. It's talking about the inheritance that He has in us. Now, I want you to listen to what I just said again. The inheritance that God has in us. That's a little bit mind-boggling to say the least. We see the heart that God has for us here. He considers those of us who belong to Him as His inheritance or His treasure or His special people. That's, that's quite remarkable. You don't believe me? Let me share some Scripture with you. Write down Titus 2.14. Titus 2.14. Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself, listen, His own special people zealous for good works. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. To think that God would consider us His own special people, His treasure, His inheritance... What an awesome God we serve. It's not because we're real special. It's because of His grace and who we are in Christ. 
And then, of course, there's the idea of knowing God's power. God's power. He talks about that their eyes will be open to understand God's power toward us who believe. We need God's power for life and living. We are weak, but He is strong. And I don't know if you found it to be the case, but the longer I live, the more I understand just how weak I am. And the more I understand just how much I need God's power. We need God's power for living. We need God's power for life. Now here's where it kind of gets a little muddy in our outline, and I hope this is okay with you. But there, I'm going to bring in the fourth part, but it's still part of the third part. All right? This kind of goes together. Because we move into where he begins to describe God's power and I'm going to say that this is also a, a, a fourth part to his prayer, and that is praise. Because after he's, he's praised so they would understand God's power, he begins to talk about God's power, and he begins to, I think, praise God for his power. Because it's a pretty awesome thing he says here. As you pick up there at verse number 19, he's, he's prayed that their eyes would be enlightened for the power to understand it. Then in verse 19, and he says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And he begins to describe it. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ. Watch this. When he raised him from the dead. This is amazing. The power that is available at our disposal, the mighty power of God, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And not only that, it seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. I love the fact that we sang that song there about him being worthy and you are my all in all. Because we see it here. Look at verse 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all the things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we could have just taken that section today and just preached on that, but we're kind of keeping it in the prayer here and looking at it in relationship to this prayer. And he mentions here Jesus. And he emphasizes his resurrection, his exaltation, and his authority. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's alive forevermore. We sang about that today. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me a long life, narrow way. He's alive. He's alive forevermore. God's mighty power brought him back to life. He defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave. He's alive. You like to say amen? That's the one right there. Say amen. He's alive forevermore. But not only alive, he's been exalted. His exaltation far above uh, every name that is named and the principality and power and everything. His exaltation. And then His authority. He is above all. It says in verse 22, He's put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. And so we look at our world today and we think, man, things seem out of control. No, ma'am, no, sir. They're not out of control. All things are under His feet. All things are in His authority. We don't understand exactly why He allows things to happen, but His perfect will and perfect timing, He does. But He's totally in control. Your life is not out of control. My life is not out of control. It may feel that way. 
And it does. Monday's coming. Tomorrow morning's coming. It may feel like that your life is out of control. It's not. It's totally under His control. He holds you in His hand. And He praises the Lord here. And at the same time, I pray, Father, their eyes will be opened to understand the mighty power that You have toward us who believe. And it's just encouraging to me because you know, a lot of times the reason we struggle is because we try to do things in our own power other than God's power. And Jesus said, what? Without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Now again, let me ask you. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like this for someone? Honestly, be honest about it. When's the last time you prayed a prayer? Let's say you're praying for um, your, your, your grandchild. When's the last time you prayed this for your grandchild? Father, I pray that you would open their eyes. They would understand the hope of their calling in Christ Jesus. That they'd understand the inheritance that God has in His saints. And they would understand your mighty power at work in their life. If we're honest, a lot of us have never prayed a prayer like that. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you an assignment. And I can't make you do this, and I wouldn't if I could. And so you can do this or not do it. I don't get an opportunity to give you a grade like a teacher would. I I can't fail you. I, I won't hunt you down. I won't ask you about it. But I want to give you an opportunity and an assignment. If you choose to do it, you'll be blessed. I really believe that. If you don't, you'll miss out on the blessing. It's a very simple assignment. And it's this. I want to encourage you this week to personalize and pray this prayer. Yes, pray it for yourself. But pray it for your spouse if you're married. Pray it for your family. Pray it for your friends. If you would, if you have time, if you, if you would, pray it for me. To pray this prayer, to personalize and pray it. So what do you, exactly do you mean? Well, let, let, me, let me show you what I mean. I'm going to do this and we're going to be done. So go back. I'm going to personalize this and I'm going to pray it for my wife, Danielle. Verse 17. I look at the verse. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him. I'm going to personalize and pray that. Dear Father, the Father of glory, would you please give Danielle a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you to help her to get to know you better, that she would understand how great you are, how wonderful you are, and in knowing you that she would love you more. Verse 18, would you open the eyes of her understanding? Would you, would you just enlighten her and, and shine light into her, her mind and her heart that she would know what is the hope of your calling upon her life? That the sure, the sure hope that is hers in the midst of all that's going on and the challenges of life, remind her of the hope that is hers in Christ and the glory that awaits her in heaven, which are the riches of the glory of His inheritance of the saints. Remind her that she is part of your special people. She's a part of the royal priesthood, a chosen person. 
that you're working in her life. Verse 19, and would you remind her and show her and just bring to her mind the exceeding greatness of your power toward her, and the power that she has at her disposal and your glory and your power and your wonder. You see what I've done there? I've taken Paul's prayer and I've made it my prayer. Because this is the inspired Word of God. You say, well, does God want us to pray this way? This is the inspired Word of God. Out of all the prayers that could have been recorded there. Now imagine if you prayed that for your spouse. Imagine if you started praying that way for your child. Remember we backed up there talking about the knowledge of God. God, help my child, help my son, help my daughter to know You. Give them a hunger for You. Give them a hunger for the Word of God. Give them a spirit of revelation and wisdom. They would know you better. Imagine praying that for your child. Pray that for your church, for your Sunday school class, for your family, for your friends. To really begin praying spiritual prayers. I'm not saying don't pray the earthly prayers. You're going to pray those and you want to. And you do. But not to stop there. And then let me encourage you to pray this for yourself. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like this for yourself? God, help me to know you better. To really know you. Not just know about you, but know you. Would you open up your word to me? Would you just by your Holy Spirit give me a spirit of revelation and wisdom? Lord, I want to understand this. I want to know what this means. I want to know what this, this teaches me about you. Lord, I want to know what is the hope of your calling. Lord, I want to know what it means there about the inheritance and the saints. I want to know what it is about this power you talk about here. I want that power in my life. You see, when you pray that way, you're praying according to the will of God. We can be sure that He hears us and He will answer us as we pray according to His will. I told you this passage is a little bit overwhelming and I'm still not got a hold of it all. It's not good grammar, but it's good theology. Don't have a hold of all of it. But would you pray for me that I would understand and I would grow in these areas? Would you take the assignment? Would you do it? Would you pray with your Bible open this week to Ephesians and personalize and pray this prayer for yourself and for those that you love? And Father, we do pray that you would help us to pray more like Paul does here. Lord, to pray more spiritual prayers. To pray prayers that would help us to grow in our faith and our knowledge and understanding of you. And help us, Lord, to pray this type of prayer for others. Father, we love you today. We glorify you. And help us to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. A closing hymn. The altar is open. If you want to come and pray, if you need to be saved today, if you want to come and share a burden, I'm here, Pastor Larry's here. We'd love to help you any way we can. 413, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim 
in the light of His glory and grace. Let's stand together. The altar is open. You come as God leads. 413, turn your eyes upon Jesus.